you that you haven't asked us to walk through life alone, that you've brought us into relationship with each other, you've given us your Son, your Holy Spirit as an advocate, and your Word. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, we will get to Mark 4 in just a moment. I'm going to Mark 1 in just a moment. I don't care how many times I have to correct myself. I'll get there, all right? Um, But first, I want to just kind of set the stage for what we want to talk about today. Uh, If you'd like a Bible, just raise your hand. Uh, Ronald will put one in your hand there. We've got some extras. So I don't know if you uh, are aware that in English, if you can say a word twice and it changes the meaning, you know, like this morning is cold. You know, not like cold, cold, but cold. (laughs) Right? Right? That coffee is hot, like hot, hot. Right? You say a word twice, it kind of changes uh, its meaning. And so in the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, you can, and you can listen to it um, online on our website, cityharborchurch.com or uh, through iTunes. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about peace and we talked uh, through the, the serenity prayer and um, some other things. And then last Sunday, we talked about hope. So we're kind of on this theme of some of the words that people throw around at Christmas that might not actually mean anything. We're trying to kind of unpack from the scriptures some meaning. Do you find that helpful? Yeah, so uh, peace and hope, and today I'd like to talk about joy. And I'm talking about like joy, joy. Okay, so you may recall we had uh, looked at Philippians 4 a couple of times recently, and I just want to set that as our text today because I think it's helpful Always be full of joy in the Lord. Why are there these impossible phrases in the scripture, right? Why are these things in there? Just sounds ridiculous. It's frustrating. Anyone ever felt that way, right? Be full of joy in the Lord. And this joy word is to rejoice. It actually means to be merry, to enjoy a state of happiness, And with my kids and the Thanksgiving weekend, one thing that has become one of our traditions is to watch the movie Elf. And uh, you know that Elf, uh, Buddy the Elf is whom I'm referring to, um, is not Legolas or anybody else, right? Uh, Buddy the Elf had broke food into multiple groups, right? And one of those groups is syrup. And I kind of like the scene where he's holding the cup of coffee um, in the mail room in questionable circumstances. And he's saying, you know, is syrup in coffee? Because he's asking, you know, do you like coffee? He says, if syrup's in coffee, then yes, right? And I, he takes the cup, the mug, and he's like holding the mug in his hands. He goes, ooh. As some of you remember what I'm talking about, right? That, or like his reaction to uh, Santa being introduced. Like, Santa! You know, I know him! Uh, so that is actually, whether it annoys us or frustrates us or disillusions us, discourages us, that is actually the kind of joy that is being referred to in this passage. But the grammar is there on purpose. And I don't know about you, I didn't enjoy school a whole lot till I got to college and I could study what I wanted to, but the grammar is important here because it's talking about joy in the Lord. And the Lord that Paul is referring to in writing this letter in Philippians to Christians, just like us, lived in a city, just like us, had problems, just like us, right? Had insecurities, doubts, fears, not really sure what they believed in, even though they maybe had been following Jesus for a while. When he writes this, he writes this with purpose. And it, this was not today, 
This was back then, so no TVs, right? No refrigerators, no social media, no constant stream of information or false information or infotainment, right? And so a le- this was a letter that was actually going to be circulated between 200 towns in the region of Philippi. And so the specific wording was on purpose. Are you with me? Okay, so he, joy in the Lord. The Lord he's referring to is Jesus. We've already talked about Jesus a fair amount today, but the in is an important thing. He, that means joy because of the Lord. Joy by reason of the Lord. We, I want to bring our attention today by actually um, referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 1 of each of those books. And I don't have time to unpack all of them, but I want to refer to them because we last Sunday we talked about uh, four women in the genealogy of Jesus. And if you weren't here, I thought that was kind of good, so you might want to listen to it. Um, you can laugh. It's okay. Come on, somebody. Right? But I think that these four introductions to the life of Jesus actually can help us to take joy in the Lord during this season. Because Jesus is the reason for the season. Okay. So, if you were to simplify it, we could say this. Reading the Christmas story can raise my level of joy. Reading the Christmas story can raise my level of joy. I, there's some skeptics in the crowd. It's okay. I'm one of you. I feel you. I love you. I'm here to help you. So these combined accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, display remarkable unity as they supplement each other to form a well-ordered introduction for a biography. Now, that was not their purpose, but we can look at it like that. I, I like biographies. I like biography shows, biography movies. Uh, biography books. Um, Colin Powell's biography is very good. Um, Chuck Yeager's biography is just flat out funny. Um, I like biographies. I think if we were to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John chapter 1, they would help us to form this kind of an introduction. So a biography should contain in general four basic factors. One, uh, the identity of the one whose life is being reviewed. Two, the importance of this person in the world or good reasons why we should read this biography. Three, evidence that the work done to research this biography and write this biography uh, was done with care and that the facts were derived from reliable sources. And fourth, not all the time, but sometimes a dedication is included. Now, although none of the four Gospels contain all of these main factors, the combination of the four does provide these basic features. First, Mark's introduction, though less than a sentence, serves as a striking title. And we're going to look at all four of these in the next 20 minutes. It identifies the person to be portrayed, calls his story the good news, and declares his recognized official status. Second, John identifies him as being one with God and describes his colossal importance to all of human history, On this point, Matthew also identifies Jesus in terms of his Old Testament relationships, declaring his legal right to Israel's throne. Third, Luke submits evidence of the credibility of the facts presented 
asserts his careful sifting through the records and declared his intention of presenting the account in an orderly argument. Fourth, finally, a dedication is also provided by Luke in that his gospel was specifically written for a worthy friend, Theophilus. Since, not Snuffleupagus, Theophilus. (laughs) Glad some of you are still awake. Since Theophilus means friend of God, it would not be far from the mark to say that, quote, the Gospels are dedicated to everyone who is enough of a friend of God to read God's record of his son. Unquote. I find it's amazing ability in our culture of people to talk about Jesus with whatever their opinion is or to talk about Jesus' followers with whatever their opinion is without having actually examined for themselves the evidence of his life and what he was like. Whoa. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's walk through this just a little bit. Are you ready? Mark chapter 1. Here's Mark's title. This is the good news. Come on, somebody. Right? This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, we could take a couple of hours on this, uh, but we won't. Um, First of all, what we can't miss if you were to... um, And I, I try to read through the Bible every year over the course of the year, because it really helps you to get the big picture, uh, the, the story arc of what God is doing. Um, if you were to take a, a look at the entirety of Scripture, you would have to come to the conclusion that Jesus, the story of Jesus, is good news of what God has already accomplished for us. Not God calling us to do something to earn it. Amen. Yes, that was worth it. Right? That's why I shout. That's why I dance. That's why when I come to a place to worship Him with others, there should be some demonstration in my energy. You caffeinate yourself before you come, right? We provide it up there, right? (laughs) Let inform your body of the truth that your spirit can enjoy. It is good news that has already been accomplished on your behalf. God has not asked you to do anything to earn it. How your week was does not determine God's love for you. When I go to the bank of thinking about going to the judgment seat of the throne of God, I do not go based on the confidence of how I have lived my life. Oh, heck no. That would be wasting the sacrifice of Jesus. That is not recognizing the power of Jesus. That is not recognizing the truth of what Jesus means to me. Who is Jesus? The Messiah. The sent one. The anointed one. That is a word that has amazing meaning. A consideration of the Old Testament is important here. Those of you that follow me on social media this week, you saw that I reposted BBC and their research in finding the historicity, the academic standard of which our Old Testament is gold. We have more copies today that are ancient copies of the text with the grammar, the punctuation, everything is exactly the same. You can read this book with a confidence, with an assurance that it holds academic weight, what scholars would use to critique it. It is verifiable, but I think it's verifiable because of who wrote it. Who worked through the people to speak it? Old Testament prophecies of Jesus and this concept of the Messiah, the Son of God. 
The books in the Old Testament that you have today are written over a 1,000 year period. They contain nearly 300 references to the coming Messiah. All of these were fulfilled in Jesus Christ and they established a solid confirmation of his credentials as the Messiah. Scholars, as they go through those hundreds of prophecies, find two streams of thought. One about the divinity of the Messiah. He is God. The expression of God. And the second theme in those prophecies is the humanity of Christ. Some of you may have also seen the social media post about old Saint Nick this week. The actual Saint Nicholas punched someone at the conference of Nicaea when they were establishing Christian doctrine, what was reliable. He punched a priest who was calling into question the divinity of Christ. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you. Let's read from John. So here's John chapter 1. Are you having fun yet? Okay, good. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word, that is Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Is there darkness in our world? Yes. Is there evil? Yes. Is there suffering? Yes. But when Jesus returns, it will come to an end. Is Jesus important? Yeah, kind (laughs) of. He was there. He was there. The Word became flesh. Jesus is God's expression. God walking around with skin and bones. God's voice. The people who wrote these things are the people who were there physically and heard his voice. Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, the son of David, did, do not be afraid. This is the angel talking to him. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. You know, Matthew, I don't have time to unpack this, but Matthew also points out in the genealogy the intervals of 14 generations in the genealogy of Christ. If you look in Matthew chapter 1, you'll see these these intervals of 14 generations. And Matthew is marking it because it's important. And I just want to, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Millennials are the 14th generation of the United States. Hmm. I can't wait as a 13th generationer to see what happens. I like the fact that I hear millennials saying enough is enough. I don't like this. I don't like that. I like the struggle. There is a lot of struggle in the text, in the story of the people of God. We've got to come to Jesus. Last 
week, we heard about how God loves those who think that they are far from him. God loves those who others do not see equal value in. God loves those who others do not respect. That is the kind of God that we serve, and I am anxiously awaiting millennials to take significant action forward for the cause of Christ. Things that make you go, hmm... Joseph and Mary in this place of receiving the promise spoken of the angel of God that Jesus would be different, that he would be the one who would save his people from their sins. Watch this. This is from Luke 1. This is our third part, Luke's dedication. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us as the early, as from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable, honorable, not Snuffleupagus, Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. I want you to be honest about your doubts. God's not afraid of your questions and neither am I. What God is not okay with is you saying that you have doubts and not pursuing the answers. The answers are in here. It's time to get honest and to put a shovel in the ground and do some work and investigate. Investigate. Look for the answers. Dig until you find something. Because in Jesus, there are answers. Luke is saying this is a reliable account. Now, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. There's that set apart Messiah word is holy, one that was anointed as a priest, one who was anointed as a king, one who was anointed Jesus, is all those things. To be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But now she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, Mary. Uh, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. We don't have time this morning to unpack the story of John the Baptist's mother and father. It's it's an amazing entertaining story but one thing that it helps us see just as it was with mary is that god cares if you believe or not that god is patient with our unbelief and that god sees the state of our heart he knows it and he cares about how we respond this is said to mary You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. There is investigating and testing the word of God, and there is a decision to believe that God is who he said he is. He will do what he said he will do. The blessing over Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This is again from Luke 1. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, 
This is my favorite part. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Speaking of the coming birth of Christ. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. Allison referred to it earlier today. When Jesus was born, there was a temple there in Jerusalem. There were sacrifices being given, burnt sacrifices, sin sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. At the time of Jesus' death, the curtain that separated them from the holy place to the most holy place was ripped, was torn from the top to the bottom as a symbol, a spiritual significance of what was done through Christ. And that is that no longer do we need to go to the temple and offer up sacrifices, but Jesus is the way. The light breaking upon us. Show us the way for forgiveness of sins to guide us to the path of peace. What we see is the new covenant being initiated. Over and over in this story, we see a a pattern, a repeated theme of people turning to God for salvation. Forgiveness not based on their goodness, but but based on the love of God found in faith in Christ. That's where we find peace, hope, joy without end. If you look up the history, the origin story, if you will, of the Christmas wreath, It was a symbol that through Jesus we would have hope without end. Without end. What you believe about Jesus will directly affect every area of your life. If you have a faith foundation in Him, it changes your perspective about everything in your life. It will change who you are how you think, how you respond, it will change everything about you. It will change what people expect from you when you walk into the room. You can carry the presence of God, and let me tell you, the presence of God is the game changer. Here's a few things that I take away from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 1 that we learn about Jesus. Jesus is powerful enough to bring us real change. Many different things in those chapters. Investigate those chapters this week. Point to this. God, He is God. Powerful enough to bring us real change. And human enough to understand us. He was tempted in every way that we were. He lived on this dust ball we call earth. He is human enough to understand us. Jesus is full of unfailing love. He's full of unfailing love. Jesus is an expression of God's love sent to save us from our sin, our mistakes, and the disorder that is in our hearts. See, through Jesus we find forgiveness for our sins and freedom from our sins. In Jesus, we are no longer have a compulsion. We are no longer compelled. Before you receive Jesus, you don't have a choice. You are living in sin. No matter how good your life is. But from G- with Jesus, you have freedom from it. You don't ever have to go back. Your chains are broken. Don't pick them back up. I want you to use this statement. I'm going to close with a, a prayer. I'm 
already over time. If this, whatever it is that you're learning about God through the story of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 1, if this, fill in the blank with maybe one of the three thoughts that I just posed, Jesus is full of unfailing love as an example, if this is true about Jesus, come on, use your brain today, folks, then this is true about God's love for me, and this about me just doesn't matter. I grew up in church, I'm used to coming to church the same, so what? <laughs> right, so I, I never want you to leave without something to do, right? You can apply this, you can work this. It works if you work it. So work it, you're worth it. If this, if Jesus is full of unfailing love, if that is true about Jesus, then that means it's true about God's love for me. That means even though someone else has abandoned me, someone else failed me, someone else used me and abused me, that's not God. If so, if that is true about Jesus and what I see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John 1, then this is true about God's love for me. It will not fail. And that means that even if I was abandoned by someone else, that doesn't matter as much. Now, God, that may sound insensitive, God wants to bring healing to that, complete healing, not sweep it under the rug. But what it means is that going forward, if other people fail me, it doesn't matter as much. Anytime I'm feeling stress in my life or used and abused or abandoned or hurt, it means that I am placing too much value in this world and the people in this world and not enough value in God and his relationship to me. That was really good. <laughs> so do you think this is a helpful statement you can use? Okay. Let's, let's stand and close in a prayer. So as a result of this truth, I can be full of joy in the Lord, in the Lord, because of Jesus. I can be married by the reason of Jesus. I can enjoy a state of happiness. Mm. Is there syrup in coffee? Because of Jesus. I encourage you today to read the Christmas story this week. Pray about it. Ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to help you understand. Identify your questions. Identify your doubts. And move in the direction of a confident hope. Write about those things and share it with somebody else. We've got to be honest. We don't come here to wear masks. We're all jacked up. We all have doubt. We all have questions. Right? Every one of us. Well, where'd the prayer go? It's not there. Okay. I'll give it to you. Let's close our eyes and just ask God for help. Lord, we need your help. We really do. We, at times, uh, don't walk in joy. Um, and, and that may be because we haven't spent enough time reading about you, talking to you, listening to you, walking with you. And so, just like ancient Christians prayed, I ask that you would help us to see you more clearly to love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly. Let there be an explosion of joy on the inside of us because of baby Jesus. I thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I am happy to report that uh, those who have been praying for Uncle Jay, 
Uncle Jay's post-op delirium stopped uh, this morning. He was lucid this morning and uh, doing better. We still want to pray. They're still concerned about buildup in his lungs. We still want to be praying for that. And obviously, Steve and Melinda have been tirelessly uh, taking care of him. So let's uh, continue to pray for them. Hey, grace and peace to you. Uh, get something uh, to eat or drink. Enjoy each other's company. And remember, after church next Sunday, lunch. Thanks for coming. Have a great day.